The San Francisco Dance Film Festival presents Dancing Through the Lens, a bi-monthly podcast featuring guests from our dance and filmmaking communities, both near and far. Dancing Through the Lens offers a platform for artists in the dance world to share their interests and insights and discuss how they use film to create work and connect with audiences. I'm Claire Schweitzer. And I'm Coral Martin. On this second episode of a two-part conversation with Turfines member Gary Icecold Morgan and Yak Films co-founder Yoram Savian, we discussed how Yoram's early filmmaking days in Oakland served as the best possible training ground for collaborations with street dance artists from around the world. We also discussed Gary and Yoram's collaboration with the Oakland Ballet on the new film, What I See, which will screen at SFDFF this October. I would like to ask Yoram about your evolution as a uh, as a filmmaker. You have such a skill in capturing the the culture and capturing the the movement styles of people from all around the world. And uh, can you talk about how that has evolved over the I years? I think as an as an artist, you need a lot of confidence to be able to do your work well. Like you need to believe in yourself, and you need to believe that. Um, if if you're in the process of sharing your work with other people, you have to believe that there's others that are going to connect to what you're making. Um, and so it's a lesson that I learned very early on because the work that we were doing was for Oakland. Our audience was just Oakland. So it's hard for people to understand now. But at the time that I started making videos with the Turfines, I could have only made videos with the Turfines. Like it would not have been it would have not been acceptable for me to make a video with a different dance crew at the time because there was that competitiveness that, that Gary was talking about. Um, and so we, I came up in that, in that space, but then I also knew at the time that there was this huge potential outside because of having been born in France and knowing how much hip hop has influenced culture in France and all around the world. At the time, and I think still to today, France is the second biggest market for hip hop and it, and it has its own roots and 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 its own ways of 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 evolving but so pretty early on we took the show on the road and and like gary was saying that video was really the the focal point um so we became famous in oakland before anybody anywhere else in the world um and and we were known like kind of just going around the town um and then eventually when it went viral in germany and in france first um, then a month later, it became viral in in the States. And that's when everything kind of shifted. Um, and we started to get a lot of calls and a lot of emails about going to different places. Um, the goal at the time was actually to take everybody on the road. Um, we had an opportunity to all go to London together. Um, but the reality of, of people coming from East Oakland is that a lot of people didn't have passports. A lot of people didn't have IDs to get the passports. Um, and that's been one of the ways that um, black bodies have been controlled and 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 uh, oppressed in the United States is to limit their movement and, and their freedom. So the whole idea of not being able to go somewhere like imagine you're a young you're a young man like from from the hood in East Oakland. And this client is basically offering you to cash you out and to send you to Europe, which could change your whole existence. But because you don't have this piece of paper that says you can't go somewhere, um, you're you're denied that opportunity. 
And so for some people, they'll justify it and be like, well, you should have just gotten a passport. But for others, you look at the history of what it means for a black body in America to not have a piece of paper to go somewhere. And that's just the the legacy of of, of all the stuff that we're trying to deal with in this country right now. So I think for me, that's that's where all the work has come from, from the beginning. I mean, the whole idea of the RIP videos was to, to honor um, people that we knew that had passed. Um, and so there's just a, a realness and a rawness that was developed from working not just with people, but like really in collaboration. And like, you know, I consider Gary my family now, like we've known each other for long enough and there's enough trust built now that, that we're just brothers. And that's the approach that I've taken when I've traveled in the world. Like East Oakland gave me my confidence to, to just stand up as a man and, and, and be an artist and go into the world and say, yeah, I'm from Oakland. Like this is, this is what I do. And, and this is my work. And I'm, I'm really big on just letting the work speak for itself. You know, um, I, I mean, obviously I, I do interviews and, and I like to express myself as well, but I think the work is always something that I want to lead with, you know, so I always encourage people to just um, experience the, the work first and then kind of get to know me and, and, and connect the dots. But I think how that's evolved over the world is that Oakland is, is, is the rawest part of, of my whole experience in, in this world. So it gave me a lot of confidence going into other places because obviously there's a lot of really interesting countries and cultures all around the world, but because the language we were speaking was of, of dance and of hip hop, um, Oakland being such a mecca for that cultural experience um, gave us like um, the, the, the best passport you could, you could wish for. Like, I mean, if you, you think about it back to where, what Gary was talking about, it's like we, we were hood famous before we were like internet famous. Well, that was a key part of our journey because then when we moved into the world, the other people we were interacting with, sure, they had heard about us from the internet, but what they connected to was um, issues that were similar to what we had to deal with in Oakland. So if we go to South Africa or if we go to Brazil or if we go to France or if we go to Japan, um, the people that are going to connect to the culture we're talking about are going to be just by default more conscious of how things are arranged in their society because those are the things that we're talking about in the music and that's the way the way that a lot of these street dancers become the best at what they do is because they're coming from a place of struggle or they're coming from a place of being limited in what they can do or how they can move and so their dance becomes their their self-expression of freedom and of liberation and and that's just what we're filming so for me everything feels very aligned and I just follow my intuition and I don't really need to, I don't really need to plan it out. Like, I, I guess the way I'll, I'll end it to explain is like, when I show up to set to film street dance, I'm working with people that are freestyling. And so if I come with my whole plan and my whole storyboard and say, this is exactly what's going to happen. I'm working with someone who has no idea how they're about to move their body right now. And if I were to tell them to move the, their body the same way again, they probably couldn't do the same combination again because it's freestyle. So I had to adapt to also be freestyle, not necessarily come with a solid game plan, but just come through with a lot of preparation and a lot of knowledge and respect and then just let it be what it's going to be.
would love to touch on your collaboration of uh, the film What I See, which, again, will be a screening at San Francisco Dance Film Festival this fall and was a collaboration with the Oakland Ballet. So first of all, how did this film come into being? Well, one thing is that I, um, I have a relationship with the Oakland Ballet because I uh, did um, a gig called Turf-esque with them a while ago. Me and Looney was a part of that. I think we sold out two of the three shows. And um, I had did a poem in the beginning of that show about a girl that had passed away that my dance name, No Justice, was honoring at the time. I called, I called uh, Graham, Graham out of nowhere. That's the director of the Oakland Ballet. I called him just on random one day. I was like, man, we need to, um, we need to get together, man. I got, I got an idea for a show. First, it was going to be actually be a show. Like, it was going to be a show because I was watching a commercial one day and it was a, a girl, she was getting ready for her ballet recital. She was practicing with everybody. And then the COVID hit and then she had to practice by herself. And then the building shut down. So then she had to practice outside. And then one day she just did her whole piece that she was practicing on outside and then everybody everybody around the neighborhood set up lights and everything so it feel like she was on stage at a performance and then i saw that i'm like man that was a deep commercial i'm glad i watched it and then i was like yeah man we need to do some type of live show that that people could could watch it or something since everybody can't you know be together that's so that's the original idea and then you know, things changed because a lot of people that was on, involved the first time wasn't involved. So we changed it to what it is now, what, what I see is now. And I think that was still a great idea because, and that's the, all came from me, me basically saying like, when I go outside, I'm not, I don't see none of this. Like it literally doesn't happen. Like I, we grew up in Oakland so diverse since elementary school. I've been so cool with white White, black, hey, it doesn't even matter. Like, I've been cool with every type of background of person. And, and I grew up in Louisiana for a little bit, too. So I was around a lot more white people out there. And it still wasn't, you know, it still wasn't like that. When I'm outside, I know people go through this. I know they do. I know it's real. I'm not saying it's fake. But I'm just saying in my culture and everybody that I see, like, around me, like, we're, we're everybody is just so cool with each other. And it's like, we don't we don't experience racism as often as other people do. So it's like my story and where I'm from and everything and then the people around me, it's like they had their own stories, you know. They had they had their own feelings about it. And I think that's what made it deeper to me, listening to to how they felt like the uh, was the Asian ballet dancer. He said he said all the attention they get in the media is crazy because he finally felt being seen after being in, feeling invisible for so long. And I'm just like, that's crazy that you feel like that because we feel the same way. Like we feel the same way, even though we get attention, but it still feel like we're not heard when it comes to certain stuff. So it's like, I, I definitely felt when he said that, like that's never left my mind ever since he said those words. And it's like, I don't know why it haven't left my mind, but it's always just been so deep. And I think that like, that that like got me more juice when I heard that I was more juiced to see the project and to have Crow as like the spirit and he was like the spirit of everybody and he was a black man I think that he was me in that situation because I, I feel where everybody coming from you know it's it's not hard to see if you listen how everybody feel about the world and their place in society and, and all of that I think if you apply it at the same way you apply it to your own life and your own experiences I think you'll have a wider perspective about what other people are going through 
and, and that's not hard to have empathy and compassion for something and somebody. You know what I'm saying? So I think I think it's deeper than than the dance to me. I I really was just juiced to be able to bring people's stories together more than the actual dancing. I think the story and the feeling behind it it was was was, was what I what I liked out of it, like the intent. Something that I really appreciate about what I see and specifically the movement language that we see. I've seen films that try to quote unquote combine classical technique and street dances where the dancers themselves end up still looking like discrete parts. Like there's like, okay, here's a dancer with one training. Here's a dancer with another training. And we don't really see relation. But here we can see that there's there actually is a conversation of movement going on, even with the Oakland ballet dancers like they it's very clear that they're not necessarily sticking to like a very like a classical mindset. And it's very clear that um, both the turf dancers we see are really taking from the movement language of the dancers as well. And can you speak a little bit about the movement direction? The way Gary and I came up with the concept was we had a conversation about what was happening and it was very tense time. Like we had just gone through this uh, lockdown. Um, We we were protesting in the street. Like it was a lot of emotions and thoughts um, running through our minds. And um, one of the things that he was talking about, um, I have this quote from him that says, that's what I see. They disregard our feeling. We're not looked at as important, but everybody loves everything about us. And there was this idea that um, that the culture is always being celebrated as being one of the best examples of American success stories. But the people that are um, living and breathing the culture aren't treated like um, like the rest of us. So I think that's that's where the energy for the piece came from. Um, in terms of directing dancers, I mean, the language that I speak is way more um, freestyle and, and, and hip hop based. So it, it was a challenge in terms of working with some dancers from another uh, realm like ballet. Um, Graham, the director for the Oakland Ballet, um, helped them choreograph their pieces. So it was pretty solid coming into the, the production. Um, I, Dummy and Crow are more are more freestyle based. So I didn't really expect them to come up with a full choreography, but I, Dummy did come up with his own choreography. So he had his whole piece ready. I think Crow is, is very, Crow is, is very similar to my approach, which is like, he'll just try to connect to the energy of, uh, of the moment and adapt his moves to the environment. Um, so he doesn't necessarily need a rehearsal in a typical sense. Like he'll just show up on set and kind of feel the vibe of what's going on. And, and, and that was, that was his role. So he, in a way he was kind of typecast because we wanted him to be the spirit of dance. Um, and Crow has told me before that the reason he dances the way he does it because it comes from pain. Um, and so it comes from the experiences and the things that he's been through that allow him to move, um, how he does. And so you can't really bottle that up or, or, or put it on a rehearsal stage. Like you, you kind of have to let him um, be who he is and express himself fully. And, and then that's how you'll get the best performance out of him. So I, this is something that I've learned with working with turf dancers. It's like a lot of directors will think that you can get the best out of, out of a dancer from just, you know, asking them to repeat the same move or, or having, um, 
the whole production aligned and and the crew and the camera and everything ready but they forget that the most important part of the performance is the energy that you that you give and that you receive um and so there's a way i mean i've, I've seen some crazy stuff in my career but like there's a way that we film when it's just us on the streets and then i've seen productions with like 30 people in a helicopter and a crane trying to recreate the same emotion that we would get from just being on the street. And, and it's just not possible. Like you can't, you can't fake the funk. So um, for me as a director, when it comes to dance, I'm, I'm very, very confident because I've been doing this for over 10 years now. So I just make sure that the energy is right on set and that the dancers feel respected and seen and heard and just let them, let them say what they need to say. Um, a good example that I could use for people that aren't too familiar with the language of dance is that dance is a language. And so the same way you would conduct an interview and ask for someone to speak their mind, you're not gonna interrupt them mid-sentence. You're not gonna chop up their words and make it nonsensical when you edit, you know? So it's very similar to that way to dance. Like a dancer is saying something and so let them finish their full sentence. When you connect to the next sentence after they're done doing their first sentence, you want to make sure that there's a transition there and that it connects. And so that's the flow that we try to achieve as we're directing the piece and also the flow that we try to respect when we're editing the piece um, so that the whole thing feels like a conversation and not like a chopped up, you know, music video like they do where it's like, you know, no, I'm not going to name any particular dance music artist, but a lot of times when when music artists say that they're dancers and you see the music video, it's like they chopped up one spin and then it cuts and then they chopped up one stomp and then it cuts. And it's like, that's the idea of dancing, but that's not dancing. When you're working with actual dancers, you want to just let them say what they got to say. The The mental part of it, just talking to them and when they ask like, so how do you want me to do this? And then you tell them and then they do it. I think that's one of the most beautiful thing about turf dancers in my opinion because we can just get on set and we're like what you need us to do and they're like all right so they'll give us a rundown and we'll do it you know what i'm saying and i think that that speaks a high volume of us and it's like we don't have no classical training and we can look as if we do you know what i'm saying like we can uh emulate ballet and stuff to the point to where it looked like we've learned or took some classes from it you know what i'm saying and I think that's why that's why we picked I Dummy. Well, that's that's why I wanted I Dummy in it for sure because he he is that he can do anything in my head. He can do he can do anything. So I, I needed I Dummy, and like you said, Crow was the perfect because of who he is, what he is to dance, and how he goes about it. Like, and that was just too perfect. So it didn't matter who who the ballet dancers were that we worked with. The job still was going to get done because those two guys were going to help bring that bring that vision to life i just wanted to shout out um a couple people that helped us produce this so obviously graham um from the oakland ballet um you know produced the piece um and then my brother ben um shot and edited the piece um desmond mm -hmm. who's my one of my students from destiny arts was was assistant on camera and um nisha the lovely wrote the the poem and the words um for the story um, and then obviously all the dancers, um, everybody that supported us on set. Um, Endeavors Oakland gave us access to the warehouse um, with Marisol and, and Asan. We had someone come help us with the lighting and like every, everything was just like very Oakland and very positive. So appreciate everybody that was involved.
Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I am so uh, excited for our audience to see this film. And um, it was such a pleasure to speak with both of you. So uh, Yoram and uh, Gary, uh, Ice Cold, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. I appreciate this. Of course. The Catherine Clark Gallery and Box Blur present Shyman Addy's Night Watch, an installation that features an LED screen that will travel around the San Francisco Bay aboard a large, slow-moving barge, displaying silent close-up video portraits of those whose lives have been saved by political asylum in the U.S. The opening event at Fort Mason on September 17th also features the SFDFF program Dancers Without Borders, a curated program of three films that center on the immigration experience. Entry for the event is free, though participants must register in advance. Details on registration can be found in the show notes. Dancing Through the Lens is a production of the San Francisco Dance Film Festival. It is produced and hosted by Coral Martin and Claire Schweitzer. Theme music for Dancing Through the Lens was composed by Daria Novo. You can find the San Francisco Dance Film Festival online at sfdancefilmfest.org and in the social media pages linked in the show notes. Dancing Through the Lens